Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Eat. It is Tuesday night. It is 9.30. It is time for Ready to Unload. We've got a ton to talk to you about tonight. The Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, Giants, football, basketball, hockey, track, lacrosse, curling. We may get to it all, definitely. Women's curling, probably most specifically. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Steve Sampete Sampietro. Welcome to the live podcast. And without further ado, let's get right down to the business here on episode number 1122 of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampete. It's Tuesday night. Here we are. It is time to unload. All right. Welcome to the program, everybody. Uh, Let's bring in my co-host right now so we can get this underway, get this going. He is the the man who makes makes my sporting world go. He he completes me in this sporting sense. Uh, He is the yin to my yang, the pepper to my salt, the salt to my pepper. Mr. Brian, Calneva, Calpino, Caliente. Hey, Brian. Hey, does that make uh, does that make pop culture PJ Spinderella? <laughs> welcome, uh, welcome to the big show. Of course, he is referring to our producer, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, the Pooh. He is uh, behind the glass with his nose pushed up to the glass, breathing very heavily, making obscene sort of steam sculptures on the glass as our producer this evening. Uh, we'll talk to him later uh, in the fun load for sure. We have a great fun load tonight, Cal. Great fun load tonight. I'm going to tickle the fun load a little bit here. Going Go to te- tickle, tickle the fun load. We're going to talk about the players you love to hate. The idea of there are guys on other teams that you hate. They're on other teams and you hate them on other teams. But if they were playing on your team, ah, you'd love them. Or would you? Or would you? We're going to come up with the definitive list. We're going to work on that. And we're also going to, um, you know, sort of uh, couch it into pop culture. You know, there are actors that like, I hate, I hate, I hate. They stink on ice. And then they're in a movie that I like. And suddenly, eh, they're on my team now. Now it's an actor I like. Or they're on a TV show. You know, Scott Baio is definitely going to come up in this conversation. (laughs) I would expect nothing less. Exactly. Uh, how was your week, pal? Welcome back. Big show. Good. 
good good week. Good week. We're back. We got a lot to talk about tonight. This is the uh the Hodgepodge Potpourri edition of Ready to Unload. Yeah. Where we're gonna be all over the place, but in a structured format. Right. And without any shtick. And free of shtick. That's right. I don't know if I'm comfortable doing the show at this point without shtick. Well, you're gonna have That's to see. I've been crutching it. A little bit of a crutch. We we're above it, Steve. <laughs> we are. We 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 are too professional for oh, stick. Right. That's right. Right. Um, speaking of which, we got a uh, a note from our producer right before we went on the air. Did you see that? Uh, no. In the IM, you know, we have an IM chat going with our producer, uh, PJ, at all times. Sure, sure. I just didn't get the note. Did you not see the note that was in huge, bold-faced red letter print? Everybody try not to nudge their microphones tonight. Oh, I did get that note. I just I didn't think that applied to me. I thought he, you saw that he put that little flyer in your inbox. No, no. He, my my cubby my cubby was empty today. That's right. He gives us he gives us show notes and tonight's show note was try not to suck. And, <laughs> and also and also I think you were BCC'd on that one, Cal. I don't think I got it. I think the intern left me off the distribution list. Right. Well, anyway, we will try not to do this sort of thing with the microphone. Like we're. I don't think, I don't think he's talking about us. You don't think so, huh? No, no, I don't. Who could he be talking about? Could it be the doctor? I don't know. The good doctor erased that. He, uh, he might, be jo- might be joining us in a bit, might not be. We don't know. We're looking, we're looking live at his office and... It's an empty empty seat right now. We're hoping he fills it though sometime in the next hour and a half. The tremendous thing is that Cal is not kidding. Like we we do these we're literally right, yeah. do these video chats uh, so we can see each other while we're doing the show. And Doctor Ira Stats is up. <laughs> yes, it's an empty chair, but his video feed is still up. And the best part is, it says his name. <laughs> it's labeled. It's labeled Dr. You know, on Uvu, we'll give them another plug because if you do a really good job with this video conferencing, you can do three people. And on the top, it says your name. And he right. decided to put his call, his little nickname. So, so you're just you're looking in live at Dr. Erase Stats' office. <laughs> he is nowhere to be found. Anyway, Cal, it's on to do tonight. Let's, uh, let's jump right in. Um, if you have the desire to call the show, uh, it is a podcast, but we are live. So if you wanted to give us a shout, 424-220-1817, uh, anything you want to talk about that we're talking about, uh, or anything you want to talk about that we're not talking about. You want to talk about the Houston Astros. Let's do it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. 424-220-1817 is the RTU hotline. Call up and talk to the good bishop. <laughs> PJ is awaiting your call patiently while petting his cat. Uh, pantless. Yes, as usual. Cal, big news. We're going to jump right in with the big unload and let's do the Mets. Uh, okay. Here's why. Jose Reyes goes back on the DL uh, with another hamstring tweak. Here's my question, Brian. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum and other Latin words as well. Nauseum. Nauseum, right. Et plorabum unum. Uh... Do you sign Jose Reyes? Is he now officially injury-prone? If you're the New York Mets, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Is the in- Let me start here, Cal. Is the injury helping the Mets' case, 
helping their chances of signing him back? Yeah, I think it. I think it has to be. I think um, why? I because I think he has to be a red flag to other teams and even the Mets too, but to any team that's looking to um, to sign him next year, he's going to want a a long term contract for a lot of money. And I think that there's a red flag attached to him now with all of the injury woes. I mean, he's been on the disabled list twice this year, you know, and I had read this somewhere and and I thought this was a pretty good description. We've seen the best and the worst of Jose Reyes all during this year. You know, we've seen how good he could be and we've also seen, you know, how injury prone he could be. So I think that there's there is definitely a warning sign attached to him and, I don't. I don't know if teams are going to be as quick to to throw the big contract at him as they would have two months ago. The one thing you keep hearing, Cal, is this idea that it only takes one owner. One owner. Well, I saw true. this. I saw this in Adam Rubin's chat room. You know, he had a uh, live match chat. He usually does them on Tuesdays, and uh, didn't write in today. Didn't feel saucy enough to write in and ask him a question. But he must have said at least five times in response to Ray's questions. It only takes one owner to throw ridiculous money at Reyes and blow it out of the water, injuries or not. Right. Thus, him, you know, Adam Rubin basically saying there's no chance they sign him back. Is that well? That is that true with Jose Reyes because of these injury problems? I mean, obviously it's true. It, it, it only takes one owner to give him ridiculous money. It only takes one Tom Hicks to be an idiot and give 250 million dollars. Right, but the reason why the reason why that comes up is because Met fans see the injuries as a positive in their attempt to re-sign him, thinking that his price is going to come down and it's going to fall within the Mets' price range of of next year. Um, so obviously, a beat writer has to throw the the water over the fire and say, "Yeah, but you know what? It only takes one owner," because everybody's starting to get positive again, like, "Oh yeah, we might have a shot at him." Well, not so fast. You still don't have a shot at him because somebody could still sign him. Right. And they keep citing Jason Worth and his seven-year, $126 million contract from last year. Uh, Jason Worth didn't come with the injury concerns that Jose Reyes has. No, he didn't. He's also older, uh, which doesn't – you know, but I I, – And not at a a premium position and not – doesn't doesn't have the the potential and the skills that, that Jose Reyes has. Right. At a premium position at shortstop, yes. But there's a lot of mileage on Reyes' wheels. He came up when he was 19 years old or 20 years old. I mean, he's been in the major league since 2003 or 2004. Cal, you touched on something that I I, I do want to get to with the Mets, and then we'll move on to the Yankees and then get into all the football. You touched on something that I want to get to in a minute, but here's – my final take on the Reyes thing, Cal, is this. And, and, And bark at me if you think I'm wrong. You don't have to bark, but you know what I mean. I don't bark. <laughs> yeah, I don't bark. I just had this vision of you being like, <laughs> like you can just say, no, you're wrong. Um, but can't you see a situation now where the Mets in that exclusive window go to Jose Reyes and say five for 100, and when you're done with that contract, you'll only be 33. So you could take a six-year, hundred and twenty-five or hundred and thirty million dollar contract now, or you could take five, be done with that contract at thirty-three, make your hundred million dollars guaranteed, 
And then when you're 33, get a Jeter contract for 50 million, and now you've made 150 million. You know what I mean? Uh, or, or maybe even you get a four-year contract for 75 million. Now you've you've, you've made more money. You, you're basically playing out two contracts instead of one, and you're also not stuck somewhere for six years that you might hate because you've never been there. Like, isn't that the pitch? That would be the pitch. I mean, if if the Mets are smart. They're going to play up this injury thing in their negotiations with him. I think they have to. And they're going to say they're going to say, "Listen, you know, you were on the disabled list twice this year. Do you really think you're going to be able to get a better offer than this? And if you do, then by all means go, because that's not, the Mets are not going to go over five. They're not going to go over five years. No. I think that I think that that's what we have to look at. For there's two pieces to any potential Reyes contract. It's the years and it's the money. And I think the years might concern them more than the money, to be honest with you. Right. You, know, all you, you, you always hear about the financial problems that they're having, and I think that, that the length of contract is, is what's going to scare them off more than, than the total, total dollar value of the contract. Yeah, but you can switch that into your favor, too, to play to Reyes, the, the fact that he's a sensitive kid, he's never played anywhere else. By all reports, he wants to stay in New York, he wants to stay a Met. You can right. play that into his favor too, or, or into your favor, and say, "Look, we're going to give you a five-year deal, not a seven-year deal. If you sign a seven-year deal in Anaheim and you hate it, you're stuck. You're stuck there. You know what you have here. You sign a five-year deal. You're a free agent again in, at, at 33 years old. You're going to make your hundred million dollars. You're going to be comfortable here, and you're and you're you have the chance to. And PJ brings up a great point to find a Jeter contract." The Jeter contract is the contract that Derek Jeter just signed this offseason at age 36 for four years and $60 million. Yeah, well, after, the, after, the Yankees signed him to that contract. I understand that. I understand that, Cal. But Reyes at the end of five years would only be 33. Right. And have the chance to get a four-year $60 million contract anywhere he wants. From the Yankees because they'll need a short contract. the Yankees, exactly. Because <laughs> he needs a, a Jeter contract. You know, but it's it's – it's a golden parachute. It is a golden parachute uh, contract. You're absolutely right, Peach, in the sense that uh, it's he can turn one deal where he cashes in maximum into two deals where he cashes in maximum and gets more money. And I think they can play to him. He's a sensitive kid, Cal. Yeah, I think they can definitely. I think they can definitely play to him. And I think as long as they offer him a reasonable contract and some crazy owner doesn't come out of left field and offer him the moon. I think they have a pretty good shot at bringing him back. Yeah, I I would agree too. And I and I, you know, something I thought of today, Cal. Good story. You ready? Yeah. Uh, so I'm coming home from work tonight, and I I had a job way downtown, uh, and my office is actually on 47th and Third, and the job was down at like One Penn Plaza. Uh, so that's a cab situation because I have a lot of equipment. Right. Right. So I'm I jump in the cab. I get a cab. It's like six o'clock. Traffic's going to be ridiculous. I get in the cab, and the guy has the fan on, WFAN. And for those of you who don't know New York City cabs, uh, there's you know computers like in them now. and Not computers. There's like TVs and stuff that in the backseat for the passengers that are really loud. So he must have thought I wanted to listen to that, and I heard uh, the pregame, you know, the Mets pregame. Mm-hmm. And so he turned down FAN, and I said, no, no. I said, you can keep that up if you like. So I turned off the little TV in the back. He turned up the uh, the Mets, and I said, I, you know, I'm just a big Mets fan. Guy turned out to be a huge Mets fan. 
Oh, we had, and of course, there was ridiculous traffic on the FDR going north. Oh, good. We had a 25-minute conversation about the Mets. I mean, it was a fantastic conversation. Right. About, you know, he said, oh, you know, uh, uh, I think he was a, a Latino, maybe a Latin American guy. or He just he just was such a great Met fan and talking about, I want to bring him on the show. Like, he, he just... <laughs> he just he talked about how you know uh, he hated Carlos Beltran, but he couldn't bring himself to hate Beltran for freezing in Game Seven, and you know, but but he you know he was such a great player, it was hard for him. And I told him I was at that game. Forget about mm-hmm. it. No, he's like he's like so he told me the night that of that game, it was a Saturday night, that Game Seven against the Cardinals, right? And uh, when the Mets lost and, and Beltran looked at that strike three, he said I was driving my cab, I was down here downtown. And uh, he strike out. I'm listening on the radio. He strikes out. I stop my cab. I pull over. I made the people get out, and I took off for the rest of the night. <laughs> he said, "I drive my cab home. I'm too upset. Too, I'm too. I'm too crying." I said, "I was, you know." And so blah blah blah. We're talking. He brought up a great point about Reyes, and he brought up some great Yankee points too. We had just this magnificent baseball conversation. Uh, but he brought up a great point about Reyes that they have to play to, and that's City Field. Oh, absolutely. Like he is not going to go anywhere that is more tailored to his game than City Field. And again, so you tell him five years, you'll hit a hundred triples in those five years. You know, you'll be the all-time triple leader. Uh, and he he brought that up. He said they should make a you know when they pitch him, they should tell him you know City Field is built for you. Right. You know, where else are you going to go that's built for your speed like that? You know, you can go somewhere and hit 15 home runs. Who cares? So I think all these uh, – and what a fantastic cab ride. The guy was great. The guy was so good. Let's go Mets, he said to me. Let's go Mets. All right. I was like, yeah, 2013. We're there. Did he uh, Did he waive the fare by being – since you were such Mets fans or no? He did. He did. He did, really? No, he didn't. No. That was a hefty fare, man. I know, but I with thought maybe with Chip, that was like a twenty-nine dollar ride. You can't put a price on being kindred spirits like that, though. You're absolutely right, Brian. And who am I to do so in the first place? That's how this story would have. If this, if this was a, a Hallmark movie event, the story would have ended where the, the the cabbie turned off the meter and said, "Let's go Mets," and you would have taken your Met cap out of your back pocket, put it on your head, and walked right. off. That's right. That's exactly but, right. But unfortunately, but alas, <laughs> you'll settle for a good conversation, I guess. I, I enjoyed the conversation with the guy. And, and you know what? Met fans are like that, that are passionate like that and stuff. It's nice to run into them. You know, it's it's nice because right now in New and this brings us into the last point uh, about the Mets. And then we're going to move to the Yankees promise. Um but Cal, you you brought it up. There was a great p- uh, piece today on uh, was it Mets Police? It was um, Jason Fry, a Faith and Fear in Flushing. Faith and Fear, that's right. Great piece in response to a New York Times piece, uh, a New York Times article. And what was the gist of the Times article, Cal? The gist of the article was basically the you know it came it was written on uh, Monday. Monday. During the, it was right. no Monday morning. It was written after the Sunday game. Where everybody got hurt. Sorry. Grayson Murphy got hurt. They wrote it on Monday. Basically, the uh, the author of the piece was suggesting that the Mets season is over, 
why would you ever why what reasons do you have to go to city field since the season is over and basically he invited comments from from his audience to to write in and and kind of be as snarky as you can on what you know what what's so great about going to city field and then if you look at the comments it's well the shake shack lines will be short or you know stupid comments like that and it was basically just making fun of the mets that was the new york times article now, the piece that Jason Fry wrote for Faith and Fear and Flushing was in response to that, and it was basically, well, here's why we're not going to give up on the Mets, and here's why we still want to go to City Field. And, and I sent it to you guys earlier, and, and it really it, it summed up what a true Met fan feels right now, that this team is probably not going to make the playoffs, okay? They're, they're, they're not going anywhere, but they're still playing hard. They're losing all of their guys to injury. Last night, they came back 8-4 in the eighth inning and won the game. They beat San Diego. It was one of the most fun games I've seen all year, you know? And it, it, it's weird because there's, there's, this, there's this dichotomy between the, the everybody that wants to make fun of the Mets because the Mets are the punching bag, and then there's the Met fans like us who are still interested in the season, whether they're going to make the playoffs or not. Yeah, it was it was a great response article and that, you know, the the guy from the Times wanted people to write in like a top 10 list for Letterman and and really just like punching bag the Mets as you said. Right. And he wrote back and said, "Well, here's why I'm going to go to City Field because I like baseball." You know, because un, uh, unlike fairweather fans or whatever, I go to to City Field to watch a baseball game and to follow my team and to watch young guys play and to see Justin Turner and to see Lucas Duda and to see you know, how guys develop and stuff like that. It's not just about making the playoffs. Right. You know, and it's – and it's the Mets have been a better team than they were supposed to be this year. Again, they're not going to make the playoffs. Fine. They've been a better team than they were supposed to be this year. You know, they're a 500 team. They're probably going to lose tonight. But they're a 500 team. They're tied. They, another comeback tonight. They're tied oh, they came back. They were down 4-2 going to the eighth. So look at this. They, they just scored two uh, runs in the eighth. Another reason to go to City Field. And, and, and they don't give up. The the point of the, the point of this is last night watching that game, Cal. I haven't enjoyed a Met game that much in years. I agree in with years. you. I mean, that was it was fantastic. And you know, if that's wrong, New York Times, I don't want to be right. Well, that, that's the thing. It's, somehow, if you care about the Mets right now, you're a joke. You're a joke. You're part right. of the joke that is the Mets, right? Because they're losers, and you're a loser for sticking with them. You know, so yeah. we're going to make fun of you. Yeah. And, and, and they couldn't be further from the truth with that. Well, you summed it up. I thought you summed it up real well, Cal, and we'll move on. And that is that, you know, it's, it's like a joke to be positive about the Mets. Right. Like any, anytime you're positive about something, you're sort of laughed at, especially in this city right now. And you know what? That's unfortunate. They'll all pay, Cal. I, I don't know what that means. And it's mostly, and a lot of it's the media. A lot of it's the print media and stuff. Look, look, we can bitch about this all day. The 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 truth of the matter is, last night was as an enjoyable a Met game as I've seen in years, in years. And this team cares. They play hard. And most of all, you're getting to see a team adopt Terry Collins' style, play hard, try to play the game the right way. That's been in short supply for this team the last few years. You know, think about it, Steve. They came off of a game where they lost. Their entire middle infield, they lost their, their best player again. <laughs> they lost like 300 hits in one day. I know. I mean, they, 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 they lost two of the top ten batting leaders in the National League. Top five. 
Top five, right. In one game. <laughs> and you know what? They came out the next night, fell down 8-4 in the eighth inning, and still fought back and won. And, that's, and you can put that all on Terry Collins, getting this team prepared to, to, to come back and, and, and continue to fight and not roll over. And, you know, it's refreshing to me. And, and if it makes me a loser, I'm a loser. I don't care. I'm refreshed by their attitude. That's I feel, all I'm going to say I, about that. I feel refreshed. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's move on. So uh, we've, we've concluded in the first part of the hodgepodge everything bagel episode of Ready to Unload that we would give Jose Reyes five years and $100 million if we were the Mets and say, look, play in City Field. Everything's nice. Stick with the girl that brought you to the dance or you brought to the dance, one or the other. Stick with the girl. Where you're comfortable here in New York. And maybe at 33, you cash in on another big contract. And maybe you get some Sprigadel nice at that point. I don't know why Italian cookies are involved, but... I think they should always be involved in contract negotiations. <laughs> uh, you know what it is, Kyle? I'm having a cup of coffee nice. And I'd like... Yes, you got a biscotti over there? Or what? I'd like a cookie. I'd like a nice Sprigadel nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and Dr. Ray Stat has joined us. And he's back. He's joined us. Cal, should we give the people a little taste of the IMs that just went back and forth between... Yeah, go ahead. I think this would be good. So Pop Culture PJ just described our last segment about Jose Reyes as this. PJ, this sounds like a heartbroken parent sticking it out through his kid's losing Little League game. (laughs) And then Dr. E-Ray Stat sat back down in his his office. So he's back. The chair is occupied. And uh, Dr. Ray Stat said, except if the parents refuse to accept that their child is injury prone. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Ray, we, we accepted fully that uh, our child is injury prone. We feel though, oh, yeah. that that gives the Mets an inside track to get him for five years and 100 and makes it less likely that somebody's going to uh, do the stupid Jason Worth thing. But isn't giving him $20 million a year the stupid Jason Worth thing? Not at five. Not years. for five years. Oh, right. Not for five years. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Not for five years. Seven years. That's crazy. Seven we're years. We're rationalizing this. Yeah. I. I. We were talking about the fact that it's a premium position too. Ev, right. That's got to play into it. It's a premium Absolutely. position. Yeah. And listen, I'm a huge Reyes fan. You guys all know that. But um, I think this last injury kind of made me very, very frustrated with him as a player. I mean, he. He was rolling, and uh, and here we are again with the same injuries had since the moment we drafted him in uh, fantasy league. What was that? Nineteen ninety nine. It's two thousand and four. Yeah, two thousand and four. It seems like a long time ago. Yes, he he still has the same hamstrings. Unfortunately, same exact hamstring. Are they going to teach him how to run better again? Yeah, they're going to do that. That was great. I read that. This is when they taught him how to run. Right. This is a team that actually tried to get him to run differently. Right. I, I like teach him a different way to run. He's done do re- yoga. He's done. It, but it, do you but do you remember do you remember the way they taught him to run? It was like a gallop. It it looked ridiculous. Walk it, this it, way. It looked like he was skipping. No, it looked like he was skipping. He skipped very uh skipped. He skipped very quickly. Hey, before we move on, let me ask Dr. Yeah. E. Ray if he's here. When yeah. I ask him. Yes. Dr. E. Ray, if you are a Major League Baseball general manager, and you're looking to sign Jose Reyes to a contract in the offseason, 
what is the maximum contract you would offer him, knowing his injury history, yet also knowing his talent? I'd have a tough time giving him a five-year contract, to be honest with you. I, I know that that's what he's going to get, and there's no doubt he'll get that. But At least. I'm very skeptical of, of him as a player who's able to stay healthy um, and and be effective for an entire season. And and he's had seasons where he's been that way, but uh, this past these past two seasons he hasn't, and it just doesn't seem like it's going away. Past three, actually. Sorry, past three, right? Past three. 09, 09 was actually his most injured season. Right. Because exactly. last year he played 100 games. I think probably if I, if I was a GM, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'd give it to him. But you know what? I'm probably going to sit back and let someone else give it to him first. Right. And okay. that's, what, that's what it's going to be for the Mets. They're probably going to offer four at, in the 80 to 90 range. Okay? And, and he's going to say, I can get five or six. And some, somebody's going to give him five or six. Yeah, but I got a question for you. What team's going to give him that? Um, you know, because the teams that seem to need a shortstop aren't the teams that spend a lot of money. That's where it gets scary because is, it, is, it, is the Red Sox are the Red Sox going to do this when they have you know Jed Larry? They have Marcus Scudero. Are they going to do this? I mean, I don't know. Marcus Scudero is forty-seven years old. I could totally see. I could totally see the Red Sox giving him six years and one hundred and twenty million dollars. I could. No way. Be, no way because they just gave Crawford and Gonzalez two ridiculous yeah, contracts. I, I don't going to give him another one. But they have money still. They'll have money coming off the books. Beckett is signed long term. Lester is signed long term. This is the Red Sox. They don't care. Well, they can the spend Giants, the same as the Yankees. Going to give him that contract? No. All right. So who else is out there? Who's Anaheim? I think the Giants could. Detroit. The Tigers are crazy like that. Anaheim could do that. You know, Washington is crazy like that. Washington just gave Jason Worth 126. Jason Worth 126 million dollars. What would they do Milwaukee. with Ian Desmond? Milwaukee could do it, although they locked up Braun and they have, but they have Fielder coming off the books, right? Mm-hmm. They have Fielder coming off Fielder. You, the, the Cardinals could do it, for all we know. What if the Cardinals lose Pujols and go after him? Somebody, you, somebody's going to do it, Ev. Somebody's going to go cray cray. A local um, uh, talk show host. I don't know if you mentioned this already. Uh, mentioned uh, if you're going to spend five years, two hundred hundred million on Reyes, why not just? Go a step further and spend the money on Pujols. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, because it's not a step further. It's a huge. It's a leap further. So it's a huge step. For, yeah. It's like yeah. a yeah. But you know, but aren't you getting two hundred million dollars? Aren't you getting um uh you know obviously the better player? Aren't you getting them? You know, even though he's had injuries this past year or so, um uh, you know a less of a risk. Yeah, but what if you just sign Pujols and then you move Ike Davis to shortstop? <laughs> you might as well just do that. The the problem with Pujols is that he wants 10 years. Mm. The Mets are going to be lucky to afford the five years that they're going to offer Reyes. I mean, let's 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 keep in mind, and and, we, and then we got to move on to the Yankees guy. Well, we don't have to do anything. Why? Why do we have to? We don't have to do anything. Cal, you're right. I'm sorry. This is a lively discussion. Um, but you got to remember, this is a team that's still in financial trouble. I mean, it's not we, we don't know that for sure. They're still in financial trouble, Cal. There's still $270 million in the red to Major League Baseball. Okay? They're in trouble. They're not in the black. They're in the red. How do you like them apples? Well, Einhorn is coming on board to save the day. And Finkel is Einhorn. I know. We have to say it. It just You can't. It's so stupid. Why did we have to have a guy named Einhorn buying into our team? Look, only the, only the Mets, Steve. Only, only the Mets. That's right. Why don't they just have Ace Ventura buying into the team? 
Why don't they have? Why don't they have some guy named uh, I don't know, <laughs> Slappy Dickerson is running into the team. <laughs> Mets new owner, Slap, Slappy Dickface. That's good. Oh boy, I don't think you can say that, but <laughs> it's okay. It's it's after ten. PJ, do we have a, uh, a dump button? Do we have a dump button? Can, can we? Can we actually dump me? That was almost, that was almost the first spit take live ever on this show. Oh boy, you almost got me to John Ritter right there. <laughs> hey, let's move on to the Yankees. We don't have to. This is a lively conversation. That's true. Well, let's then let's keep going. We're, we're not getting pool holes. The team is still in financial trouble. They're in, they can't, according to Adam Rubin, they can't even sign Jose Reyes and have David Wright on the same team. Right. They're going to well, sign pools for ten years and two hundred eighty-five million dollars. I mean, come on now. Mets fans are not supposed to be happy ever about anything. Look, he, not allowed. I know. I'm aware. Hey, look, somebody posted on my Facebook today about my son wearing a Mets bib. You know, he had a little bib on that said "Little Mets fan." What did he say? But some guy posted on the picture. You making him a Mets fan? That's borderline child abuse. Wow, really? Really? We're gonna, we're gonna go. To, we're gonna go there with being Mets fans. Child abuse. Again, how many times does this have to happen now with my son, Cal? But it's not funny anymore. Like it's it's so played out. It's not. I I get you're trying to be funny, but it's not funny anymore. Uh, look, I I don't know this guy. He probably didn't mean any harm. You know, I don't know. And, and he doesn't know me, but that's that's the uh, the lazy late night talk show host comment right there. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I got nothing else to say. Let me just uh, make fun of the Mets in some way. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's a Leno. That's a Leno monologue joke. Exactly. Without, uh, exactly. Right. Let's make fun of the president. Uh, let's make fun of uh, Lindsay Lohan and then the Mets. You know what's there's your monologue. You know what's uh, you know what's sort of funny. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of a kid. Uh, that's like child abuse, isn't it? Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. I can't say Jay Leno. Is that obvious? Uh, that was close. I, uh, it, I wonder if someone who does instant impressions could do a Jay Leno. I don't know. Do we have we had somebody? We haven't like that on staff. Do we have somebody around the show who works with the show that could do maybe? Uh, boy, that would be great, Cal. If we had that. I only wish. I know. Alas, alack. He oh, says. As he strums his fingers on the desk. <laughs> and now, bringing the show to a screeching halt, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ. No? No, 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 Peach? No kind of impression? I guess not. I <laughs> want big... you to guess what I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Jay Leno do that. <laughs> was, that a, was that the impression? Is that a no. new bit? <laughs> it was just me saying hello. Is that a new bit? Is that like the, the, the real guess, news articles? Guess, guess what I'm drinking during the broadcast, please. Right, that's a, that's a new bit on Leno, or is that a new bit on Ready to Unload? That's a new bit for me. Guess what PJ's drinking. Uh, I, I want to go to... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Cal. <laughs> I was going to ask if it's Ovaltine. It's not Ovaltine. I was going to say an Arnold Palmer. 
Wow. You know, I love those. <laughs> wow. The, uh, Dr. Rich, you have a guess here? A vodka oh. gimlet. <laughs> I'm having what is a whole nice glass of vegetable juice. Is he my great uncle Tootie having a vodka gimlet? Vegetable juice. Vegetable juice, and it is wonderful. Excellent. Did, did you say it was cold? Very cold. He's mm. having a grasshopper with Homer Bailey. <laughs> you, can, you can really taste the kale. Kale was a bad choice. <laughs> uh, one of the best Cheers episodes ever, boys. Good, good yes. call. It's, oh, you may you may get your pop culture status back now with that Cheers reference. That was Little good. veggie boy for you. Little veggie boy. <laughs> Out of my way, old man. I got fields to plow. Uh, so moving on to the Yankees. Uh, thank you. Next, tune in next week for what's PJ drinking. Um, that doesn't count as shtick, right? No, not at all. Because we're above that. <laughs> Doctor E. Ray just sprained his neck, shaking his head. Yes. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, moving on to the Yankees. Uh, Cal, it, the big news to me, but people are apoplectic about AJ Burnett. I mean. I heard some of the calls this week. Release him, uh, uh, tar and feather him. There was, right. uh, take him out into a public arena and embarrass him. I, I've never heard some of these things. About. This was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Did 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 the Yankees not win a championship in in '09? And he pitched pretty well there. He pitched very well in that series. They, they, they arguably don't win the series without him. You, you in 2009. Here's two things here. I, I understand that the Yankees are upset losing two out of three. Yankee fans are upset losing two out of three of the Red Sox this past weekend. But look, there's no danger of them losing the wild card. It's back and forth. It's, you know, they're, they're going to jockey back and forth for first place in the AL East. But one team is going to be the wild card. One team's going to win the AL East. So settle down. Okay. I understand that you're worried about the rotation. But to compare, you can't compare A.J. Burnett to Oliver Perez. It's not. It's not even close. I mean, come on now. You're gonna release him? Release him. I mean, you didn't. Re- they didn't release uh, Keigawa. They're gonna release AJ Burnett. Yeah, they're still. They're still paying Keigawa. What's uh? What was his line tonight, E-Ray? Burnett was pitching tonight against the Halos. Uh, Looks like he went. Uh, uh, he went six innings. Okay. <laughs> got it. I got it. He went six innings, gave up four earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. They are st- it's it's still four four in the bottom of the eighth. Right, that's a that's a uh, that's a complete AJ Burnett line right now. Listen to me, if if Oliver Perez at any point in any season was eight and nine with a four point five four ERA, <laughs> we would take that yeah. and run. Yeah, after he signed the contract because he did right. win fifteen games. Oh, before he signed. That's right, before he signed the contract. Right. But yeah, I th- I think I think the the angst over AJ Burnett is confusing because it's it's as if like Yankee fans have just realized what he is. That you know he that he's a 500 pitcher who had essentially one good year. Right. I mean, and and he's and he has got a world of talent. Nobody will argue the fact that he's got a ton of talent, but he just he he has never been able to put it all together, and he's now 34 years old. You know, this is not some plucky rookie who's struggling to find his way. This guy's been in the major leagues for about 13 years. I, at what point do we say he is what he is? And you live with it. 
He's not going anywhere. You live with it. They're not gonna they're not gonna demote him and start Ivan Nova over him in a playoff game. Right. You know, they're not gonna put him in the minor leagues. They're certainly not gonna release him. I feel like it's a distraction from the real story this week, and that was Posada. I mean, I feel like all the craziness is a distraction from the fact that Posada is basically done as a Yankee. <laughs> yeah, know, like they're taking his at bats away, and and they're they're you know thinking about calling up Montero to to, to DH and stuff. That that was the story to me. But is it because that story had been played out already that they no, well, make it? I think you know why it wasn't a story because he didn't react to it the same way that he reacted earlier in the season. He reacted to it in a, in a in a better way, as more for, more for, more professionally this time. Well, more you know, accepting. <laughs> well, more accepting. Yeah, I mean, they they really, I mean, they've they've done everything but but take his uniform away from him, literally. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was the bigger story, but I thought it was overshadowed by the fact that people want to run Burnett out of town, and uh, you know, his numbers this year. I mean, Jorge's numbers are terrible. Uh, that's obvious, but this this time when he was demoted, it was sort of like he he was sort of like yeah yeah yep yeah, you got me there I can't uh, I'm not doing it not good uh, Doctor Iray you you've watched uh, the saga that is Jorge yeah and uh, I've I've loved him of course but um uh, he's just been terrible and it's, he looks done and I have a question for you guys is there a parallel for this situation in sports where the guy that you tutored, yet despised, comes up, is now your manager, and is the person who single-handedly is driving the stake into your heart. Is, is that is there a parallel for this? I, I don't I don't know. I've never seen this before. Because he not only is he reaching the end of his career and is upset about it, but this man is doing it. He's got <laughs> He's just got to be out of his mind. Yeah, and you know what, Georgie's been a uh, a bit of a diva to begin with. I mean, Georgie, very much so. You know, has always sort of been a dramatic fellow, uh, a great Yankee, great ball player, integral to those championship teams, of course. But not not quiet in the clubhouse when he's not happy. No. And now to have this happening is just uh, well, from a drama standpoint, it's delicious. It'd be like if if um, for argument's sake, Ramiro Pena ultimately pushes Jeter out of the spot. And then Jeter becomes the manager one day and does everything in his power to just destroy Ramiro Pena and spends his whole time just, you know, whatever he can do to make his life miserable. That's the parallel. <laughs> that's that's the one. I would love to see another. Well, you know what, Ev? You know what's a good call? The fact that there has to be something analogous in sports, and it's got to be basketball, Right. Maybe it's basketball because so often players become coaches. So maybe they, there's got to be a, uh, an analogy there that we can draw because, you know, the guy who uh, was the star player and has to sit down for the first round draft pick or something like that. I mean, and then comes back to coach and is like, you know, sits him. I don't know. There's got to be an analogy in basketball there. Um, maybe there's one in football. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, John Gruden. You know, maybe uh, maybe Bill Cowher. You know, maybe somebody sat down Bill Cowher. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I I do I do I do love it, Ev. As far as like the Bronx Zoo goes for the Yankees. Now, let me ask you this, Evan. 
so if you're taking AJ Burnett, they're not going to uh, they're going to keep him in the rotation. They're not going to put him in the bullpen. They're going to let him go out there every fifth day and try to work it out. But moving towards the playoffs, can you see them taking away a start from him in the playoffs? Uh, absolutely. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Like, you have to, right? You keep uh, him in the rotation during the regular season, and then when you get to the playoffs, you have three guys, and you know CC's uh, going to have to pitch every third day. Listen, it's very it's very trendy to say it right now, but I don't think his rotation spot is secure right now. Um, I, I think that if if Hughes and Nova continue to pitch well, and um, I I think I think there's no doubt in my mind Girardi takes him out I, as much as he loves Burnett from the Florida days. I I just think he's just not performing, and I don't think there's any chance he starts. He makes one start in the playoffs this year. I don't think there's any chance it's happening. I'm telling you. You couldn't live I mean, with that. You couldn't live with his line tonight, though. Six innings, four runs, six strikeouts. That's not a bad line. No, I, I, it's as usual. It's not a line that shows he battled in any way because you know the, you know he's not he didn't he didn't leave with a uh, with with a lead as usual. It's just it's just a typical Burnett, and I, I just don't understand um, how you could possibly have him start a playoff game if everything stays the same. If Cologne and Garcia are pitching this way, if Nova and 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 Hughes are pitching this way, how do you give a start to, to Burnett? I don't see it. Well, but that's the huge key you just hit on, right, Cal? I mean, Cologne and Garcia. Right. I mean, you, they 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 have to be they have to be pitching the same way that they're pitching now. Yes, they do, of course. Exactly, and 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 even just be healthy. I, I gosh, it's going to be an interesting last forty whatever how many games it is for the for the Yankees here to see how this rotation pans out. And then you, if you're the Sox, you feel better about your rotation. Okay, then then the Yankees do. And then if you're the Tigers who are leading the AL Central and you have Verlander there, or you have the Angels, you know, maybe gaining ground on the Rangers or whatever. These are all teams that have two or three starters. You know, the Yankees right now are CC and pray for CC. I couldn't think of something that rhymes with CC. Yeah, this is the first time in a long time the Yankees have been positioned this way where they don't have a reliable two uh, two man to go to. In in the past, they've had trouble with the three and the four, but they really don't have anybody in that second spot that you could say, yeah, yeah, he's he's going to be okay if CC doesn't pitch well. No Andy, no Andy, no Andy Pettit, no Andy Pettit. He's part of he's the four four, part of the big four. He's gone, retired, took his took his rings with him, because he's they're the Lord of the Rings. Ev, the Mets, <laughs> the Mets may be the Lords of Flatbush. Ah, we're making fun of Mike Francesa. It's we are laughing. We are good friends. Uh, last thing on the Yankees: How many more years? This was uh, going back to the cab driver that that I had the great baseball conversation with. Uh, e Ray, how many years does uh, A Rod have left on his contract? Oh, I had Jorge Posada all queued up. All right, let me get uh, A Rod. Hold on. <laughs> Because wow, I can't believe the con- I was thinking about the contract that Posada got, and and how it was basically um, because the Yankees were afraid the Mets were going to sign him. Four years, fifty-two million. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. What a contract. All right, let me punch up Aaron. At age thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, he is signed through two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. So you have six seasons left. Mm-hmm. At thirty million a year, is that correct? Uh, that's a 10-year, $275 million contract. Twenty-seven five a year. Right, he's scheduled to make $31 million this year. That's not Wait, a bad... What? Yeah, but, he, <laughs> but, but year, in 2017, he's a cheap 20 mil. 
Now, Ev, and we're going to move on to the Jets and the Giants in a second, but Ev, uh, what do you do? Well, A-Rod's not a, not a problem. Because A-Rod, you could shift to the DH role. That's not an issue at all. Uh, Jeter is a bigger problem, and Posada, you got to you know try to get a bag of balls for it. It's just so, the way it is. So next year, you're going to be okay with <clears throat> A-Rod moving to the DH role for the next five years at $30 million I, a year? I think I'd be okay if he, if he stays healthy and puts up 35 home runs every year. Ah. Yeah. Well, is he going to hit 35 home runs this year? I don't think he's going to. Well, I don't think he's going to do it this year, but I think uh, if he's so next, healthy. Next year he should be healthier? Are we heading towards some sort of big reveal here that I'm <laughs> unaware of? Did he, did he just? Did he just? He's got 13 this year, right? What does he have? I don't know. I'm just. I'm just nudging. Well, he hasn't hit 35 since uh, you know, in a couple of years now. Yeah. He, the last time he hit 35 was 2008. I just That's don't possible. think he's going to get healthier. Oh, I think I think years of you know uh, the HGH is going to build up <laughs> some sort of protection. Well, anyway, the, the cab driver was offended by this. <laughs> he was offended that. And he he was an admitted Mets fan, but he was upset for the Yankees. He was like, I can't believe this. Six more years of this nonsense. I was like, hey, you know, they can afford it. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> PJ has decided we're going to call my, my taxi driver Desi. I have no problem with that. Thank you, Desi. Uh, Cal? Yeah. Let's move on to the uh, to the Jets and the Giants, huh? Shall we move on to football? I'd love to. It's been uh, an interesting 10 days of training camp. Holy cow. It sure has. You almost forget there was a lockout, right? Uh, I have not forgotten. I'm still offended. Well, hey. I'll get past it. Uh, The thing with the Jets, Cal, is that it seems that they're a terrible team. Tell me why the Jets are a terrible team, Cal. Well, the Jets are a terrible team, obviously, because they they let three-fourths of their wide receiver core go. And they can't possibly, possibly expect three new receivers to learn this offense in the next three weeks. Impossible. And let's not forget the most important part of all of this. Mark Sanchez is no Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Peyton or even Eli Manning. And what about the D-line, Cal? Oh, the D-line. I mean, they, they let Sean Ellis go. Sean Ellis, I mean, without Sean Ellis, there, there is no way they're going to be as effective as they were last year. All they have, all they have are, are unproven, untested rookies. So, so, you know what? All you Jet fans out there that were, that were looking for a return trip to the AFC uh, championship game, you better, you better make other plans because they're taking a step back. All right, great. <clears throat> so, uh, and uh, how about the Giants? Uh, the Giants have done absolutely nothing. Yeah. So they, know, what's, they're, what's they're, going on with the Giants? They're a disaster uh, as well. I feel like. Doctor Eri brought it up the other day. He says, "Doesn't this just feel like a four and twelve season waiting to happen?" And it really does have the feeling of of a bad season. Just like everything going wrong. Philly loading up with with uh, with Dream Team NFL Edition. Um. Dallas is primed for a comeback season this year. Tony Romo coming off a broken clavicle from last year. Well done. I had forgotten about that until I went and looked at my fantasy team from last year. Right. That's the only reason why I know that now. And the stark reminder that, yes, indeed, he destroyed your season. Yes, we can all 
looks back fondly on the fact that you pe- pegged him as the big uh, as your first round pick. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, he was. I, I built my team around uh, Tony Romo and Dallas Clark last year. <laughs> He's not the best GM in the league for nothing, folks. And may I remind both of you that you owe me draft picks this year. We'll talk about that later. I do not owe anything. I do not owe you a draft pick. No, I do not. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. What draft pick? No, no, we'll talk about it now. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, the Giants, I, I think, you know, Prince Am- uh, Amuka Mars uh, breaks his foot on his first day of practice. Their first-round draft pick, that's a bad sign. OCU Minura, they're they're willing to make concessions to to try to uh, have this set, uh, settlement come, you know, from the impasse that it's at. That's have you, not have, looking great. I, I, I feel like this is a really rough time for the Giants, and yet this is the kind of Giants, you know, you know what was hilarious? I was waiting for the first quote, and I got it three days ago of, feels a lot like 2007. <laughs> you know, all this stuff is going wrong. Feels just like 2007. I'm starting to think that the giant players use that for anything. Right. Like there was a there was a, <laughs> whatever yeah. whatever could possibly happen. There was a a, a mild earthquake in, right. <laughs> during you know during training. Right. The coffee was cold, just like 2007. <laughs> I went it's, to the store today. They were out of eggs. It's like 2007 all over. It's like again. 2007 all over again. Have you seen have you seen the footage of OC Yumanura riding the, the stationary bike? He's still technically like protesting the fact that he doesn't have a contract, yet he's competing in he's he's participating in the in the in the workouts and they show him like riding the stationary bike and he's as as half-heartedly as a human being could be pedaling a bike. <laughs> it's hysterical. He's wearing his number 72 jersey. Right. And he's just like he's just sitting there, you know, I'm just doing this because I have to. Yeah. I don't want to be doing it. <laughs> yeah, he looks like the uh, the guy at the gym who's there, like, you know, I guess I'll go. Fine. <laughs> yes, the membership was a gift. Fine. <laughs> um, I, I, You know, there's a lot there's a lot there with the Giants that uh, can go wrong for sure, but they do have veterans there. <laughs> Dr. Ire makes a great point here. And we we may just have to do it. OC OC Humanura was born in London, England. Mm-hmm. So we, we should probably refer to him uh, with a British dialect. Steve, you don't need an excuse. You know I don't. I, I I didn't even. That was <laughs> no. That was just a wonderful news delivered to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe that we go. shall talk about OC Humanura as if he were Michael Caine. Why does everything I say come in a fragment? I have not completed a sentence in 14 years. Uh, OC, <laughs> God, I love Michael Caine. You know, the, you know what the best Michael Caine line of all time is, right? My brother, my brother Scott. We were talking about how Michael Caine is in everything, right? He's he's been in every movie ever. And so my brother Scott goes, I got my wedding video back. Michael Caine's in it. <laughs> that guy is in everything. He oh, gets so much work. <laughs> uh, that's right. The, 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 the quintessential Michael Caine line now is probably, uh, some men just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway. No, so getting back to the Jets, though, it's uh, tragic, Cal. It's a disaster. Uh, they have no chance of having the uh, the offense click. Sanchez has no chance. Um, the only you know what, you thing, know, according to a local guy, the only thing today is that Sanchez is entering his third year. That's what's going to save them. You know, you know what else they've done is they've replaced all of their good character guys with just questionable character guys. So their chemistry is, has taken a hit in the off season as well. Yeah, no, the chemistry has taken a hit because they had a bunch of choir boys last year. I mean, right, Braylon. They got rid of the, you know good soldier Braylon Edwards, who's only on parole right now <laughs> and facing a suspension. Braylon Edwards is on whatever, like the le- the actual legal version of double secret probation. Like he's on probation in like seven states now. <laughs> but you know, they got rid of right, right. Derek Derek Mason is it comes in with a with a checkered past and a horrible reputation. <laughs> you know, he couldn't possibly be a veteran leader. There's no chance he can learn an offense either in five weeks. He's only been in the league sixteen years. It's you know it, there's, there's no chance. Hey, it's 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 the the age old tradition when a team is on top, you take shots to try to knock them down. Yep, it's the narrative. Huh? It's the narrative right now. It's Which the narrative in the media, and it's and it's also because, and we're going to get to this in the fun load. Everybody hates Rex Ryan. Right. If you're not a Jet fan, you hate Rex Ryan. So how else to take shots at the team but completely question everything Mike Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan have done in this right. off season? You know, but Steve, but Steve, let's let's talk about the receiving core because they've um they have revamped three fourths of the receiving core, but have they really taken a step back like everybody says they have? I think it's arguably a wash, at worst, at worst, and it has it has the potential to be so much better than it was last year. What do you think? There's no way to tell, Cal, because you have no idea what Plaxico Burris is going to be, right? Plaxico Burris is the key to this, so they. They re-sign Holmes. He's got another year in the offense. He's 27 years old. He's clearly a number one receiver. So to say that the receiving core is a disaster is ridiculous. You still have a number one receiver there. Mm-hmm. Okay? You have Plaxico, who is arguably going to replace Bray- uh, Braylon Edwards. Nobody knows what he's got in the tank. When he's at the top of his game – now, he hasn't taken a hit in two years, but he also hasn't taken a hit in two years. He probably hasn't been he- this healthy since he was 15 years old. And let's not let's not forget. And I hate I hate to use this as an analogy, but it, it kind of fits. The last guy that came out of jail with something to prove in the NFL was Michael Vick. And what kind of season did he have? Right. And, and it took him a little while to get his legs under him. And I think it'll it take Plax, I think it'll take Plax a little time to get his legs under him. But he could arguably be a tremendous upgrade over Braylon Edwards in the red zone. And let's face it, boys. Bozos, that's where they stunk last year. That is the biggest place they need to improve this year. They were the third worst team in the NFL in the red zone last year. Uh, and and this is the year Mark Sanchez has to get them in the end zone. Field goals don't get it done. And a guy like Plaxico Burris at 6'5", who can go up and get the ball in the corner of the end zone, is going to be can be a, potentially a huge help to Mark Sanchez. And a huge help in his development. Okay, then you're trading you're you're trading uh, Mason for Cotri. I loved Cotri. Don't get me wrong. Jericho Cotri, solid soldier, good ball player, clutch receiver, great possession guy, some big games. Loved Koch. Okay, but Cotri wanted to leave. 
That's first of all. That's getting overshadowed. Right. That the Jets cut Cotri for Mason. No, Cotri went to them and asked for either a trade or to be cut because he's thinking about his next contract. And he doesn't want to be a third receiver when that next contract comes up. He wants to be and a Steve, first or a second. And Steve, not for nothing, not for nothing, the Jets didn't have to trade him. They could have kept him. They didn't have to he trade been, him. He's on a contract. He would have been, right, they, they didn't trade him. They released him. Right. They, he would have been unhappy, but the Jets were perfectly within their right to say, well, you know what? You signed a contract. You're our receiver, and you're going to play. And you have you two know? years left on that contract. And you have two years left on that contract. You're going to honor that contract. But what they did was they released him so that he could go find a better opportunity. That's right. No, but they're a terrible yeah. organization. They mistreat guys all the time. They're classless. Yeah. And, and Dr. Ray throws out these numbers for you folks at home, these delicious stats. Cotri last year, 41 for 433. Mason last year, 61 for 807 touchdowns. Okay? So – you know, is it a wash? It may be even an upgrade, right, Ev? Ev? Yeah, I, I, I think, <laughs> I think we have to forget. We forget one thing about Kotri is that Kotri essentially has been overachieving ever since he joined this league. Okay, he was drafted out of the fourth round. He was never considered to be an elite receiver. He's absolutely not ever considered a number one or number two receiver. Really, um, he doesn't have. Sp- super speed. He's got great hands. That's about it. Okay. So my question is, is that, you know, taking him out of this offense where you basically have a number one in San Antonio Holmes, you got the other, you have Burris on the other side. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Then you're replacing him with Derek Mason, who is about as savvy as a veteran receiver as you can get. How is that not going to help Mark Sanchez? Absolutely. No, you summed it up beautifully. Once again, you have crystallized the jet thoughts, Dr. Ray, because you're absolutely right. So that could turn out into be that could turn into an upgrade. And people, I think, you're absolutely right too, Ray, that people are mistaking the love of Cotri because he's a gamer and he's an overachiever with actual production, like actually right. what's going on on the field. And then the fourth receiver spot with Brad Smith. Okay, Brad Smith goes to the Buffalo Bills. Is good by Jeremy Curley, who is a receiver first. The kid they drafted out of out of uh, uh, Texas, uh, not Texas, TCU, a TCU, TCU. Thank you. The kid they drafted out of TCU, Cal, is a receiver first, quarterback second. Brad right. Smith was a converted quarterback to receiver, and that's taking nothing away from Brad Smith. But supposedly this kid is electric, and he's more of a receiver than Brad Smith was. So I think as we've broken this down. RTU style. Wow, I don't even know what RTU style is, but wow, well, you just heard it. We just we just heard it. Doctor Ray gets in there, he gets a couple of jabs in. You know, Cal kills it. I I, I got to stop talking. And then Stampede brings it home. Finish him up. Now I got to I got sweep the leg. Sweep That's the, the leg. That's the RTU method right there. You just laid it out. Yeah, we got you just. <laughs> and the bishop sips V eight. And the bishop sips V8 and brings it all home. That's no, but it, it, it's 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 arguable that they are going to be worse. They could be better in the receiver position. Right now, we don't know. What we do know is Mark Sanchez took a, a good step last year, coming into his third year of development. Uh, he was 17 touchdowns, 14 picks last year. I see him improving on that. They're going to let him throw the ball a little bit more. He still has Keller. He still has Tomlinson. He probably has a better Sean Green. Let's just wait and see. 
Okay, but that's not the narrative, Cal. We know all about narratives here in New York. No, no, no. Don't go against the narrative. Yep. Well, we just did. How you like that? Yeah. We're so tough. One of the things... We are not at all tough. We are totally not tough. Hey, behind these microphones, we can be as tough as we want to be. That's a good point. It's as if we have a pen in our hand. That's right. Right? So that's a, that's an excellent point. And we don't mean to come off as uh, know-it-all-y at all. We're just uh, sort of refuting the idea that uh, that the Jets uh, don't know what they're doing in the offseason and have taken a huge step back. We don't know. Now, listen, we, we, don't, we don't know it all, but we're passionate about what we think we know. Again, are you t- is that a tagline? I'm going to cut the – mark that. PJ, mark that, please. I do that on purpose, yeah. Racket. Um, now we gotta we gotta mention this because Doctor Iray just gave it and uh, just just told us this and I gotta mention this. Doctor Iray tells us Ocho Cinco still settling in to the New England area will be living with a fan, a Patriots fan for the first two to three weeks of the season. He has not picked that fan yet. <laughs> wow, this was uh, on ESPN. This is that, uh, that is almost word for word from ESPN too. I did not, you know, uh, elaborate or I did not embellish. No need. That is uh, no need. I mean, he has basically decided that this is what he's going to do, um, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody. What could go wrong? That sounds that sounds so uh, so Belichick, you know. <laughs> that's 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 such a characteristic of a Belichick player to bring in a fan or to go live with a fan. Now it's got to be filmed, right? Come on, it's got to be filmed. We, we have to have this has to be a reality show, is it not? Like just him sitting on the couch, getting a call from Belichick, you know, like, and the, and the and the roommate answers, you know. You you know what I'm you know what I'm envisioning? I'm envisioning uh, the guy that lives with Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. That's, right. That's Ochocinco. Apparently, his only um, his only prerequisites <laughs> uh, uh, is that the, the fan has to have internet and has to have an Xbox. <laughs> so a um, a psychological. Boop. Hey, you've reached, you've reached John and Ocho Cinco. <laughs> leave, leave a message. Leave a message at the beep. Boop. Oh, man. Hey, speaking of crazy AFC East players, have you heard that Channing Crowder is retiring? Yes. Yeah. You heard about this? No more fights with Rex Ryan, I guess. He's out. But did, but, but did you hear his explanation? 27 years old. Is he going to live with Ocho Cinco in New England? <laughs> no, 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 no. He was, on, he was on with Sid Rosenberg down in Miami. And here's his quote. I woke up, saw my pregnant wife, and all the teams talking to me are way up north. And I said, I don't want to do it. I looked at my wife and said, nah, I'm going to be a family man now. Wow. Chance. And he retired. On a very special Miami Dolphins. <laughs> wow. And while they're still chanting, we want Orton at training camp. Down there. Right. I have a hard time killing uh, Channing on this, though. That's what a lovely story. I did not see that coming from Channing Crowder. No, out of, out of left field. If you listed the fourteen reasons, the top top fifteen reasons that Channing Crowder would retire at age twenty seven, that would not be among them. I would have I would have had I would have had male escort 
way <laughs> higher on the list. Accepting a teaching post in Australia. Something. I would have had that. Street mime. <laughs> would have been up there. <laughs> now, listen, I want to bring this up while we were talking about the red zone stuff, and then we'll go to the fun load. Okay. But I, I wanted to talk to you guys about this, and Iray, I want to bring you back in on this. Because this is an idea who I think whose time has come. His time has come to fruition. Uh, no, his time has come, period. And uh, so the, the baseball bunch and I, uh, a while back, there are a couple of Giant fans and there are a couple of Jet fans. It's, well, I'm the only Jet fan. Uh, we're, discussing, <laughs> we're discussing this idea that the Giants are so bad in the red zone last year. Uh, and their offensive coordinator is so bad in the red zone, why don't NFL teams employ a red zone coach? A red zone coach. A guy who calls plays in the red It could be a girl, too. Let's not get sexist. Uh, calls plays only in... <laughs> what? It could be a girl, Dr. Ray. It could be. He's laughing heartily. You women should know this. <laughs> it, could, it could be a woman. I, I don't know about a girl. It could, it could be a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> just like a – like she's an absolute savant when it comes to offensive <laughs> playbooks. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Hollywood is calling. I think we're on to something here. Her playbook has Justin Bieber on the front of it. Starring, starring Abigail Breslin. I was just going to say, get me Dakota Fanning. Let's go. Get me, get me a Fanning. We, we are on to something here. Uh, the idea is you have a red zone coach whose whole job is to design your red zone offense and call the plays down inside the 20s. And my, my buddy Jimmy argued for this for the Giants. And I said, I said, it's a great idea, but it'll never happen because of you're taking the play calling duties away from the guy whose you know, job it is to call plays. And right. we, went back, we went back and forth on this for like two days. It was great discussion about this. Like you have specialized coaches in baseball – you know, you have an outfield coach, you have a, a pitching coach or whatever. That's not left up to the manager. Why shouldn't something that's so important not have its own specialized coach? Right? And and it came back up today because Tom Moore, the old offensive coordinator with the Colts, has signed on to be a consultant with the Jets this season and work with Brian Schottenheimer. Now – one of the things I read today, and I had it confirmed by a friend of mine who's actually in the know, uh, is that he's going to be a red zone consultant. He is a red zone guru, and he is, is going to help the Jets with their red zone woes. So he's not necessarily a red zone coach. He won't be calling the plays on Sunday. But he's going to be designing the red zone offense and putting it in. So it's like sort of like the same thing. Guys, good idea, bad idea, could it happen – and uh, if it if it doesn't, is it because of that old guard thing, or is it coming in a few years once Tony Larusa gets his hands on an NFL offense? <laughs> I, I I think it's a good idea. I think I think it's it's unique. I think it's an idea that that we haven't seen and could work. You know, identifying a specialist to a certain area of of an NFL game. That you just you're just focused on that, and you said it before. That's where they struggled last year. They struggled in the red zone. How could it possibly hurt to bring in somebody who's an expert at that area of the game? I think it's a great idea. 
I think everyone also forgets uh, who the big uh, uh, evil man at the end of the Jets season last year was. Everyone hated Schottenheimer. Everyone wanted Schottenheimer fired. And I think this was a very, very nice way to basically say, Shotty, you got one more chance here, and, and we're bringing somebody in that knows a lot more than you. So you better learn from this guy, and, and I want to see some improvement in the red zone. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of bringing more in is a great idea, no no doubt. But I, 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 want to, I, I almost now at this point want to see them take it the step further and give me a red zone coach and give me a red zone offensive coordinator, a guy who calls my plays, let the offensive coordinator – overall have the overall philosophy of the offense and, and the playbook and stuff like that. But I want a guy who specializes in calling the plays down in the red zone, and that's his whole job. And he takes that off the offensive coordinator's plate. That's now, that's now it's my job to call the plays down there. Can that work? No? <laughs> Speechless? I, I think it could work. I think, I, and I think it can work if the offensive coordinator is on board with it. That's the only way it's going to work. He's got to check his ego at the door and, and be okay with it. But I think that if, if the coordinator can do that, it can absolutely work. And everybody wins in that scenario. I think it's, I think it's, a, uh, I think it's maybe an idea that, might, that, that won't happen, but it's a, really good, it's a really good idea. Everything is specialized in the NFL. They have coaches – for the coaches, you know, and, and there's so much on the line here. You know, there's so much on the line in an NFL season that if you, if you take your red zone percentage from 56% to 65% in a given year, you, that may equal two wins that may equal the playoffs. I mean, it certainly would have for the Giants last year. They were terrible in the red zone as well. So I think it could I – I don't know if it had happened, Cal, but it's an awesome I, idea – like I said, you you would have to you'd have to find. I don't think it could I don't think it could work with the Jets because I don't think Brian Schottenheimer would be secure enough to allow it to happen. No, no, I don't think the Jets are going to be the model for this. I think it's right. going to have to be a team. You know where I could see it working? The Colts, because Peyton Manning's calling that offense anyway. Yeah, maybe it could and work the, that. Way. The offensive coordinator is a figurehead anyway, so they could bring in a guy who's the red zone coordinator to suggest plays to his Manningness. In the red zone, you know, I, I could see it working there, or, or with an established quarterback, so that the heat is off the offensive coordinator. You know, I, I just could see. I I think it would would be fantastic. And you know what, Doctor E. Wright just suggested that it would be like a Belichick thing to do. I could totally see that. Right, I was thinking that too. Of course, he'd film it illegally first. <laughs> hey, now, come on. He, what? What? Like he didn't do that. Like we're just going to forget about that. Take the high road. I will take the high road because he is a genius, but I hate him so much. <laughs> he left. It, he left us at the altar, Cal. I know he did. I'm gonna ten years ago. By the way, I'm gonna figure out a way to get left in uh, at the altar in every episode going forward. Left it jilted at the altar. That's two in a row. Don't stop me. All right. All right. It's an easy uh, cliche to use in sports. We should have had it at uh, on our sports cliche show. The terrible cliche. Terrible cliche. Left at the altar. Yeah. The Jets. Belichick got it in two weeks in a row. Ding ding. HC of the NYJ. Yeah, haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, they never bring that up. It's good. No, they don't, and they don't use it just like that. Yep, they keep it. The, the media never mentions that. That that's how right. it resigned. 
We get it. He scribbled it on a napkin, and he didn't have a lot of time to spell out the words <laughs> 11 years later. I get it. It's a good one. Good one. Uh, well, I, I, I like this uh, red zone coordinator idea, by the way. I like it. I, wanna, I want people to talk about it. In fact, Daniel Alderondo, our writer, special to RTU. I could see a little. Uh, I could see a little something. We should commission him to write something about this. Yep. You know what? Uh, we should commission. We should commission him. He and doesn't even know. He's <laughs> going to suggest. Hey, I, I got a great article about the Yankees and Red Sox. No, you don't. You're going to be writing about the red zone coordinator. <laughs> a box of these. <laughs> Maybe I can get Jimmy James to write about it because Jimmy used to write some stuff for us. Maybe I'll get Jimmy to uh, to write something because he had. A, he, it was all him. It was all his brain shout. It was. Father, husband, lawyer, NFL innovator, Jimmy James. All right, you know what time it is? Time for a fun For the RTU fun load, and that's theme song written by our producer, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Uh, Doctor Erase that has some thoughts on the theme song. They're going to have a production meeting, maybe a little later. Did I hear Gavin McLeod this week? I think I think actually I think it was I think it was I think it was Gopher. Maybe that was my Grammy. glove of Beach Boy, actually. <laughs> ah, that's what I couldn't place it. It was who? That was Mike Love. Mike, he's still alive? Alive and in the studio. What's he <laughs> What's he doing in Freehold, New Jersey? Uh, passing through. <laughs> passing through. Playing, Just playing, passing play, through. <laughs> playing, playing the Enormo Dome or or uh Yeah, he was he was down here at Freehold Raceway Park. <laughs> That's a good Hey Park. That's a good Wow, that's a good gig. Uh, tonight in the fun load, what we wanted to talk about was the uh, the players you love to hate, guys. You know what? You know what made me think of this the other night. Of course, the Phillies and the Giants got into a brouhaha, a melee, if you will. Um, and uh, Shane Victorino of the Phillies uh, charged the mound, sort of, but then decided he didn't want to charge the mound so much. And uh, I did, I was thinking about it. I'm like, God, I hate I hate that Shane Victorino. But if he was on my team, would I love him, Cal? So I want us to come up with a little bit of a list here. I want us to to go back and forth. PJ, I want you in on this as well. It's I think it's especially appropriate considering who the New York Jets coach is, Rex Ryan, who everybody loves to hate. But if he was your coach, would you love him? So let me throw this out, Cal. Who's who's your most disliked player in baseball right now? Right now? That's right. Oh, boy. The most disliked player, probably Shane Victorino. It's probably Shane Victorino. 
you really, now, yeah. Now, now the question becomes: Would you want him to be a Met? I don't. I don't know if I. I do. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do that. Really. I hate him that much. Well, let, let me ask you. <laughs> what did PJ say? There's no way I'm going to be able to get through this fun load without playing one clip. There's no way. But, but, but this is a shtick-free zone. Ah. Do you know how hard it's been for me to not hit buttons this whole time? <laughs> Dr. Ira, you had to live with this once. You had to live with this being a Yankee fan, and Roger Clemens became a Yankee. Wade Boggs became a Yankee. I mean, you have to live with this all the time as a Yankee fan. Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon was my example. Right. Goodness. (laughs) Sorry. Babe Ruth became a Yankee. That's right. How did you feel about Babe Ruth coming over from the Red Sox? I didn't like it in the beginning. I said, who's this fat bastard? <laughs> this guy will never be successful. Uh, seriously, though, E-Ray, like, this is a Yankee fan has to be able to do a dissertation on this. Yeah. Do you ju- are, is, there, is there one guy you could think of, uh, past or present, that absolutely couldn't be a Yankee? Or has that been exhausted? Dustin Pedroia. Oh. So when you sign him in three years, Oh, I love him. I do love him. I have to be honest with you. I I love him as a ball player, and I hate his face. So if Cal and I already decided that we could, we don't want Shane Victorino to be a Met. He's actually he's actually a guy we love to hate so much. I don't want to see him come to my team. You know who's another one? I'll give you another one. Let's hear it, Mike Pelfrey. <laughs> but I want Pelfrey to go away. Oh, we have him. Oh, wait. That's right. He's on our team. Oh, that. this is such an interesting dynamic for me for one reason. And bringing the Yankees into this is genius. I think it goes up by the by – the, the level goes up by the sport because in baseball we're used to it, especially if you're a Yankee fan. You're used to it. Like, did you ever think you could root for Johnny Damon? Oh, the answer is yes. Did you ever think you could root for Roger Clemens? Oh, the answer is yes. But if you take hockey players or football players, like hockey, like Essa Tikkanen, Cal. Okay, could you ever see Essa Tikkanen as an Islander ever? No. Dale Hunter. No. Right, like I think the more contact in the sport, the more it goes up. How about Jason Taylor as a Jet? Wait, what's that now? How did we How did we handle that last year? Jason Taylor becoming a Jet. Uh, again, I football. Maybe there's something about seeing the guy's face. I don't know. It, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. But like a Dan Marino would bother me. I think the, the, the Taylor's a good example, though, because I think what happens is is that after um, the signing happens, the press conference, the training camp, the team's all aboard, I think it starts to get watered down and you start to buy into it. I think you really do. I think... Yeah, you know, Dustin Pedroia becomes a Yankee in three weeks. I'm I'm in love with him. You know, same thing with the, even though I never caught on to Clemens because he's such a douche. Um, I I bought into Damon, uh, you know, and I bought into Boggs, and I just did it. Is this is this a situation like I like I said with the hockey guys? Like I, there are guys I never want to see play for the Islanders. It wasn't like 
I hated them on other teams, but I would love them if they were Islanders. Like Esatikinen, I I would I would I would walk the other way. I said good day, sir. I would not, I would almost not root for him as an Islander. I'd want him to be hurt or something traded. You know, there are guys like is there a difference that guys that you don't ever want to see play for your team? Like I think Shane Victorino now falls into that category. Chipper Jones. I wouldn't mind Larry. Is that right? How's that possible? Guys hitting seven eighty against you in his career. I've come full circle with Chipper. Is it because he's a lovable old veteran now? He's crusty now. He's like, a, is that why? Yeah, and he named his kid Shay. Is like, that yeah, really, really true? Was after Shay? Yes, yes it totally was. Yes, that's H E A. Slap in the face to Mets fans. Yeah, ever yeah. Seen. he didn't. That's he didn't do an, that. He's not honoring the Mets fans there. Exactly. He's saying, I, I, I own you so much. My child's name Shay. That's not what he said. And his, <laughs> that is that is kind of what he said. His Steve. daughter is Alex. City Field. <laughs> which, which is unfortunate for her. PJ, let me ask you a question. You you listen to us talk with this sort of passion. That's it, is a, passionate. A, it's, it gets me revved up. It gets my juices flowing. There's no chance it gets vegetable juice. <laughs> it gets your juices flowing. Do you do you understand? You're you're the casual sports fan. Do you understand this sort of thing? Does it sound ridiculous I, to say that if yeah, Shane Victor I, well, as soon as you said as soon as you said Dan Marino's name, uh, there was a visceral reaction, and, and, I, and I realized that if Dan Marino, for whatever reason, had ever joined the Jets, I never would have watched another Jet game. That was, that was it. You're out. I don't like that guy. <laughs> I don't care for that Dan Marino. <laughs> I don't like him. I don't like what he does or what he stands for. Is or there a ice owner gloves? Is there a corollary here with uh, – we we were talking about this a little bit, Peach, and guys, this idea that like an actor that you've hated for years and suddenly he goes on a show you like and, and you're turned around on him? Because I have, I have two of those. Well, I, I, I got an actor that I didn't like for the first six movies I saw, but that's because I saw the movies in the wrong order. My, my dad was a big Clint Eastwood guy. And I, he made me watch all the Dirty Harry movies, and I just thought they were stupid. But then I saw, like, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and I realized this guy is awesome. <laughs> so you got turned around on him. He got traded got to turned around team. on Clint Eastwood, yeah. He got traded to your team. He got traded to the to the Western. I had this with uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh, did I hate Jeff Bridges? Oh, did not care for him at all. Sketchy, sketchy early career. Other than and, the last picture show, there's not much going on there for ten years. Even last picture show, I didn't care for. I will fight you on the streets of Brooklyn. Oh come on, it's an overrated movie, and you know it. You're an overrated idiot. <laughs> I will kill you. That movie is great. I guess I'm not getting traded to PJ's team. <laughs> I thought I thought we were going to play another trivia contest when he said that. <laughs> I don't well, like that movie. One. It's an overrated movie. You do you have one, PJ? I I, I had a, a an extremely lightning fast topic, which was I was just I was talking to my dad uh, about the Jets, and I said something about Rex Ryan, and he turned around and he said, "What? Who? What? Cookie Monster?" He called him Cookie Monster. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking, off the top of your head, what are some nicknames you might come up with for Rex Ryan? 
Cookie Monster is definitely not one of them, but fantastic. <laughs> what do you mean, Cookie Monster? What? <laughs> Clearly. I guess you saw him in a blue shirt or something. I'm not sure. Clearly, Mr. C was hitting the Anazette a little early. I don't know. And everybody who follows the Jets know that his his nickname is Tommy Two Tone. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Is that Jetty? Uh, nicknames for Rex Ryan: uh, Big Mouth. Uh, boy, that's original, Steve. Good job. I, I, you know, I used to be a comedy writer for uh, Roseanne. So I think that's clear. <laughs> How about the governor? I like I like the governor. I like the governor. That's good. The thing. He's the thing. He's the thing. <laughs> sort of, yeah, sort of undefinable. He's Joe. Right, he's Joe. He's like Joe from Reservoir Dogs. He's you ever see he's the thing. Uh <laughs> I yeah, you could you could go with a little uh what's the purple guy? Grimace? Go with a little grimace. You know what? Maybe maybe that's what my dad meant. <laughs> I think he's, 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 he's not always on the ball with his uh, references. I bet yeah. you he meant grimace, and and he said Cookie Monster. Uh, I got you may have just, you may have just cracked a code. I think an important code was cracked just now. Uh, what what were you gonna say? Getting getting back to the uh, the actor, uh, you know. Uh, Comparison here. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I hated. Um, uh, 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 I'm going blank here for a second. <laughs> you hated going blank. Yeah, I did not care for him. Either. Billy Blanks. You hated Billy Blanks. Terrible, uh, terrible movie. Going blank. Lance Blank. Can I give you a quick one of someone who I thought was the Born the Born Chronicles? What, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I hate everyone who could like Matt Damon after uh, School Ties. And then you throw him in rounders, sports, you know, movie kind of, and you love him. Yeah, I well, he's an interesting case because he did Goodwill Hunting after that, and all of a sudden you were turned around because he's such a jerk in School Ties. He's right. just the worst, and and an anti-Semitic one at that. So good for him to be able to shed that. I Jeff Bridges until the Big Lebowski, and then even after that, it took me four or five movies to come back with him. Now I'm a big big fan. Big fan. Don't like Jeff Bridges in, in the uh, 1979 King Kong? Oh, man. Any other ridiculously bad movies you want to bring up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when it, sort when of it, what I do. <laughs> I think when it comes to... Uh, there's also a long list of guys who get on TV shows that I like. And I can't say that I hated them. But I got to bring Ed O'Neill into the conversation here, because I—he's had a tremendous renaissance. That guy, unbelievable. He's had a, a tremendous renaissance on Modern Family. I grew to hate him on Married with Children. A little bit one note right there, yeah. And, and also, it was always you're better than this. You're better than this, Ed. I know you're better than this. Then he and made I grew Dutch. To hate him. And, and then he made Dutch. And then he made Dutch, and I came back. Cal, let me ask you a question. It, could you put could you put together an all hated team for the Mets, position by position? Guys, you would never want to see play on the Metropolitan. We have our we have our center fielder and our third baseman. 
<sighs> Boy. Yeah, I, well, our, ca- our catcher is Yadier Molina. <laughs> excellent. Clearly. <laughs> um, That's an excellent call. <laughs> How many Yankees can we put on this team? Yeah, you'd have to put Kirk Gibson in the outfield. Oh, well done. So Victorino in center, Kirk Gibson in left. We'll right, say. Kevin McReynolds in left or right. He was a Met, though. <laughs> I, keep forgetting. I keep confusing it. Um, who else did we hate? Uh, we hate Emilio Bonifacio right now. Okay, he's a new one. Okay. He's a new one, but he's, but he's a guy that I hate but would take him on my team. I agree. Derek Jeter is a guy that I hate but would take on my team. Okay, we'll put Jeter at short, though. That's comfortable. Jeter at short. Yep. Uh, we need a second baseman, Jeff Kent. Easy peasy. Now, he counts in both ways because he was a Met, but he was more not a Met than a Met. He hated playing for the Mets, which absolutely qualifies him for this list. Yeah, so he's definitely on the list. We need a first baseman, though. Shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard. Shouldn't be hard. I Can, I, can we put Pat Burrell at first base? We've got to put Pat Burrell on this team somewhere, do we not? Yeah, definitely. Hey, you know who I'm going to throw at shortstop? Jimmy Rollins. I, I don't ever I want that guy on my team. No, I don't like him at all. No, don't care for him. Do not care for him one bit. <laughs> he insists upon himself. He insists upon himself. Uh, that's a nice, that's a, boy, the all-hatred team. That's a nice, that's a good-looking team. There's got to be more. I mean, pretty much all of the, all of the, uh, 2002 to 2008 Yankees. Here, yeah, all of them. That's solid. Garrett Sheffield, Kevin Brown, Mike Mussina. Hated them all. <laughs> it's a who's who of who we never want to see play for the Mets. Ooh, <laughs> I, just, I just got an actor who I hated till he came to TV. Who? Rob Lowe. Hated Rob Lowe. Nice. Wow. I'm and, surprised. And West Wing. He's not uh, like his work. And then and then the West Wing, of course. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that I got saved or uh I liked him when he came to my team when I saw him in Wayne's World. So I'm gonna say before West Wing. I'm gonna say his him not taking himself seriously in Wayne's World and then in Austin Powers. That's I arched my what? eyebrows at that. I said, hmm, there's probably more here. But I, did, I, I you know, wasn't a supporter. Dr. E. Ray? Did you have something? Yeah. You raised your hand. <laughs> Don't, you throw it. Don't throw it to stone hands. <laughs> I, got a wild, I got a wild card for you. Nice. Not an actor, per se, but an entertainer. Couldn't stand for years until his work on Saturday Night Live. And that's Justin Timberlake. Really? Hated him with a passion. Mm. And then I saw his work on, on Saturday Night Live. and Someone doesn't like boy <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's a given. I mean, yeah. Cal, Cal is well on the record as being against NSYNC, 98 Degrees, 52 latitude. He's against many. Menudo. Your stance against Menudo. Everybody, lock your box. I'll stop now. 
What was the uh, what, what was the band that had the uh, the guy who looked like George, like a fat George Michael? What was that band? Uh, about the uh, Tony Tony Fatone there. No, no, no. Calling me bad. Calling me bad. Thank you, Cal. That's who you think oh. it was. Yeah, they had the fat George Michael. Right. And the <laughs> other Brian Adams. The real George Michael. And the other Brian Adams. There's got to be a corollary for this in music too, right? Yeah, a, a band or an artist that you couldn't stand, and then they came out with something that you loved. Right, and they 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 were suddenly on your team. You never wanted to play on your team, and then suddenly they were on your team. You loved hating them. I wonder if I, that's an interesting question. Like there 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 are bands that I enjoy hating. How about if you hated them, but then you kind of opened up to them, and they didn't come out with anything new, but you just kind of rediscovered what they did, and and. Found a new appreciation. I, I for think it. that I think that would be George Michael for me. Really, I didn't like the way I'm... <laughs> Fat George Michael or regular George Michael? <laughs> the 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 uh, the eighties incarnation. Wake me How up about before the you go go. I like that guy. He's got a lot <laughs> to say. I, uh, you know, is a band like that. Dr. Iray and I often discuss bands. He discusses them with uh, Pop Culture PJ. He's a big music guy. He's opened my eyes to a few bands. Uh, one that I definitely would put in there, the Raconteurs. Again, I think, again I, with the Raconteur. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, I've been telling you to listen to the stuff, and you won't listen to it, PJ. How many times? I Well, Tell there were... Tell me but, how you were saved by this band one more I time. <laughs> they were, <laughs> but they were a band I wanted to hate. You see, like there are players that they're a, they're, they're like a Jeter to me. They, yeah. I want to hate them desperately, but I can't. Rooting against their success. Right, and then I open up to him a little bit, and uh, you know, look, I've said this for years about Derek Jeter. I hate his guts, but oh. damn it, I respect him. And I may hate some of the members of the tours, but damn it, do I respect them. Damn it. You don't hate anybody. You don't have a hateful bone in you. Stop it. That's true. I really don't. I'm more of a hate stylist, if you will. Yeah. Oh, what movie is that, fellas? Come on. Tom Hanks. Sally Field. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That's correct. Wow. The the drop <laughs> the drop dead funny comedy Philadelphia. Is that Joe? Can I give volcano? you one? Uh, it is uh, Joe uh, That's PJ's favorite movie, by the way, Doctor. I I love that movie. What's that? It's very underrated. Here. Joe versus, Joe versus the, the volcano. Genius. Yep. Genius movie. Written by John Patrick Shanley. John Patrick Shanley. That's right. Little known fact. As are you. Yes. Uh, now, so I, I think uh, we covered this up nicely. Before we go, I just want to say this. Hold on. PJ had one other thing he, he wanted to share. Oh, I had someone who went in the other direction, someone who uh, I, I first found and loved and now start to retch every time I see him. And that is that is Dane Cook. Dane Cook. Yeah. Wow. Really wore himself out with me. And you, never want, you never want Dane Cook playing on your team. Is that right? No, not necessary. I was discussing casting the other day we were, uh, with a guy I work with. We were just talking about like 
casting a goof movie, which, by the way, we need to get back into on the uh, fun load in the next couple of weeks. We got to cast something or recast something or whatever. But I, I decided to put Dane Cook in the role of like an angry judge <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a big like jury courtroom movie. I figured a little stunt casting and we'd go Dane Cook as the angry judge. Uh, I like that. How? Why? He's got no gravitas on screen. He's, exactly. He's, just, he's empty. He's That's awful. Why it's, oh, it's irony. I see what you're doing. That's why it's called stunt casting. Yes, Dr. Well, that, that's right. We're casting the tale of the 12-year-old girl turned offensive coordinator in the NFL. <laughs> Starring Abigail Breslin. Look, the I... Princess coordinator. <laughs> the princess coordinator. I think we got to bring a fanning in here. <laughs> princess gridiron, Dr. E. Ray says. That's, that's perfect. It. Princess that's in it. the red zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Book it. I want to. Uh, I want to be in the princess in the red zone business with you guys. Let's let's do the Rock and Dakota Fanning. <laughs> no, and Mike and Michael Keane's got to be in it somewhere too, right? Okay, is the owner without a doubt. <laughs> he's the owner, right? He's he's the British owner, Little Miss Red Zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the name. He's the British owner who doesn't know anything about football, and he <laughs> he just inherited the team. And he hears he hears about this twelve year old girl who is the. Uh, who, oh no! He, he gives he gives the job to his granddaughter. No, no, that's been done already. He he, he hears about this. He hears about this girl who's the offensive coordinator for this high school team. And oh. he takes over as owner of a last place football team with a. Uh, do we go aging veteran quarterback or do we go young quarterback? No, aging veteran quarterback always. And we're not going Scott Bakula. Don't even type it, Doctor Ray Stat. Don't even don't even bother. I need a bigger I need a bigger name, my friend. Oh, she's even better. Doctor Ray Stat suggests she's calling the plays out from the stands. That's it, and he hears her, and he starts to do her plays. So Michael Kane says, "Who is that girl, and what plays is she calling? I want her to be the Redstone coordinator." Andre well, Brower as the, as the coach. Andre, like. Were you going to get the whole cast of uh, men of a certain age now? We're going to put Ray Romano while we're at it. Uh, yeah, we, we need a saltier coach. We need a much saltier coach, and not Robert Loja. Too late. It's too late. Maybe Bill Pullman doing Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's part of the casting. Everybody in the movie needs to be in doing an impression of another actor in the role. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, Little Miss Red Zone, coming to a theater near you. <laughs> I, 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 I don't see how this fails. I, I, I don't see how this fails. I, I, I think I you have to get an ex-pro athlete somewhere in there, too. I can oh. just see the, the one sheet of uh, her back-to-back with the coach, their arms crossed. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes, and she's got, like, a, a, a clipboard in her hand. But she's standing on a Gatorade bucket to bring her up Just to his bring level. Her up to his, exactly. Maybe a megaphone. The coach is rolling his eyes, but Michael Caine is standing behind both of them with, a, with an approving look on his face. Well, you also have to have the very mean football player who doesn't believe in her, of course. So he's standing there very upset. Absolutely. But, of course... Well, that's, that's Strahan. 
That's Michael Strahan. Perfect. He fancies himself an actor. Fellas, I need a I need a tagline for this poster. I need a tagline. I need a she, she they had nothing to lose and something to get something. I need a tagline here. It was it was fourth and goal and she went for it. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. We could do better though. PJ, PJ, what do you got? <laughs> if you see one movie about a 12-year-old female offensive coordinator in the NFL, with a British owner, see Little Miss Gridiron. <laughs> oh this boy, team is I, off. this team is off to the braces. Oh. <laughs> How about from pigtails to pigskin? There it is. <laughs> and printed. And uh, I think I think that's a good place to call it a night. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, that is all the time we have on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam for this week, episode 11-22. Thank you so much for joining us. PJ, thank you, my friend. No shtick. No shtick. Uh, next week, uh, we have Ted Berg on, PJ. Heavy shtick. Ted. Heavy shtick <laughs> next week. Ted Berg from tedquarters.com on sny.tv. Uh, will you be joining us, PJ? Can I get the Seinfeld clip of him just going, Mr. Berg, and play it over and over and over again? Alec Berg. <laughs> Is that wrong? Uh, thanks for, absolutely not. Thanks for producing, brother. Oh, sure. Uh, Dr. E. Ray Stat gets a final unload. Dr. E. Ray. Fantastic. He's not the best color man in the business. You know what he's doing right now, Cal? He's off putting up posters. He's making calls. He's on IMDb right now. That's right. No, I, I, I'm really, really trying to come up with a tagline, honestly. <laughs> it's going it's to kill me all night. <laughs> He's got uh, he's got friends in Los Angeles. He's making calls right now, uh, calling AB, calling Alan. I got a I, have I got a hot one for you, <laughs> uh, Cal. Final unload. My final unload is a happy second birthday to my niece Megan. She turns two today. She's such a big girl. We're all proud of her. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Ah, there you go. That bright. That Brian Calvi making me cry. Very nice. He's like a Johnny Depp. <laughs> uh, the, and uh, my final unload is uh, uh, I'm going to quote Cal from a couple minutes ago. The Mets won five to four tonight, and hey, they're two and zero since the season is over. So good for the Mets. And uh, I, honestly, last night was probably one of the most enjoyable Mets games I've seen in a really long time. I actually stood up and cheered when they won. So uh, you know what? Scrappy team, and I'll be at City Field again this season. I don't know about anybody else. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll see you next week for Ready to Unload eleven dash twenty three. Where we're, again we'll have Ted Burke from TedQuarters dot com on the SNY TV network of blogs. Ted is a great guy. We're going to talk about the Mets and Taco Bell and Doctor E Ray Stat uh, and his uh, his tagline for this movie. So we'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. Good night.